glory to God. The truth prevails. Hallelujah. Amen. It's greater than any facts that you can stack up. Amen. The truth prevails. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the truth today? Aren't you glad he's your healer, your deliverer? Oh, hallelujah. There's healing in the house. Deliverance in the house. The power of God is here to set us free. That's, that's not just facts. That's the truth. You can stack up your facts any way you want to, but the truth will set you free. It'll cause a faith to rise within your heart. Amen. May it do so today. We just look to the Lord. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. Let's just talk to him a moment. Lord, we want to say thank you for your blessings to us. We want to say thank you for your your grace upon our lives, Lord. That favor that just overshadows us all the time, Lord. We thank you for that favor on our lives. It's a promise that you'll be with us, even in us, to the end of the world. And you're here, Lord, today to minister faith to our hearts, to cause us to believe, to accept the divine promise, and to see it manifest in our midst. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless us today in your presence. May the anointing come, Lord, and break the yoke of sin and unbelief. May, Lord, the, the anointing prevail, O God, upon us as we step into the position of the anointed ones in this end time, called and anointed for a position and a place. I pray, Lord, as we read the word together, that you'll bless it to our hearts and you'll minister to lives. Heal the sick among us today. We know you're here to do mighty things. I pray that you would do it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a moment. Amen. I just good to be in the house of the Lord today. And I see uh, Brother and Sister Conroy are still here with us. And we hope you felt welcome during your time here. I, we understand they bought a house here with intentions of being here more often. So we're just really happy to have you. And amen. That's Stephen's mom and dad. And so uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing for us to gather together like this today and enjoy the presence of the Lord together. Amen. Also, um, today I want to make an announcement. It's an engagement announcement for Mariah Pruitt and Weston Davis. Uh, they're both here today, so we'll have them just come forward here just a moment. And uh, we're just really happy for this young couple we um, we seen him. I saw him without his parents here. You know, I, he, he's just a young man, and without his parents here, I didn't I didn't recognize and place who he was. And I said, "Who?" I finally said, "Who is that boy that looks like my grandson Andrew? Who is that boy?" And uh, finally, they you know I found out it was it was um, Weston Davis and. He's, of course, a grandson of Brother Bob King, my good friend, and Brother Junior Davis, um, uh, again, my good friend. And uh, they have gone on to be with the Lord. One's a great-grandparent to him and a, and a grandparent. So, you know, um, anyway, um, it was just so great to see this young man come and, and enter into the service of the Lord and show his joy for the Lord and 
And then uh, I found out there was a, a fatal attraction. <laughs> and that was to Mariah. So y'all come on down here just a moment. We know what God did in Mariah's life, and she's a testimony of the grace of God, and we so appreciate that, and Matthew and Elizabeth Pruitt, they've been a part of the church here, but the Matthew's a deacon here, and we have been so blessed with, um, with this family in our church, and uh, so to... to have our young people, you know, come to this point. As, as I said, you know, when I built this church, I said, you know, as I looked around at our, our people, our young, young people, I said, well, you know, they're going to get being married. And, you know, and I said, if half of them stay, well, we're still going to be out of room. So, you know, um, we, we have uh, some that get to come and they get to stay and we get to have some that you know, go on to other churches and become a part of that. And they're going to be making their home there at Brother Donnie Reagan's at the Happy Valley Church. And we're, we really support Brother Donnie and appreciate him. Uh, I'll send him a message. You owe me a big one, though. <laughs> Amen. So we appreciate the Lord for his goodness to us and his blessings on us. You know, friendships through the years, you don't know where he's going to lead you to. And I made friends with Brother Bob King many years ago, and, um, you know, I can remember Karen and I flying into Phoenix, and, and then, you know, they were an older couple in, in the big, busy city of Phoenix. I said, now, Karen, I said, after we get off this plane here, we're going to embark on the most dangerous part of our journey, riding with Bob King in Phoenix. <laughs> he was a country boy and, and didn't belong in the city. But anyway, um, you know, we, we had wonderful times together. I remember the time, uh, and Brother Bob just passed on just a little bit ago, and one of his last things he was doing was, was listening to one of the sermons that I preached here and, and uh, you know, just relishing in the presence of God. And uh, I remember as we crossed the mountains between um, Tucson and, and uh, Phoenix, and we were listening to the sermon, Things That Are To Be. And uh, uh, Brother Branham said something about those, uh, that, those homes that we're going to go to, those, um, those palaces we have. He said some are black-headed and brown-headed and blue-eyed and brown-eyed. and Those are mansions. And I stopped the tape and I said, Brother King, I said, did you hear what was said? He said, well, yeah, no, what, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I said, he said, when we go over there, our mansions are going to be black-headed and brown-eyed and blue-eyed. And why, he sure did. I've listened to this tape, I don't know how many times, and I've never heard that before. That's amazing. I said, well, you know, and he was kind of following a little doctrine of, of return ministry at the time and kind of had all his eggs in that basket. And I said, well, you know, there's a lot of things you hadn't been hearing on those tapes. And so that just gave me a, an opportunity. And right there uh, on that mountain drive, the lights just came on and revelation struck his heart. And, and there was a great change that happened for him and for the church there in Phoenix and, and uh, then on for his family. And today I, I feel a part of this great heritage and, and, and a part of your life, Weston. And uh, certainly a part of yours, Mariah. Amen. You are, 
You're such a blessing to us, a wonderful couple. We're going to pray. I could talk all day about this, but let's just talk to the Lord. Father, we thank you for this young couple today. You're coming up in August on the 5th, I understand. They'll stand before this altar again and say their vows of holy matrimony, pledge to one another, and go off, Lord, and live together as a couple. And the two will become one. Lord, what a privilege it is that we have sons and daughters of God that fall in love with each other and reflect the great bride and groom from heaven. I pray, Lord, in anticipation of that day that you'll bless them. Continue blessing them with health and strength and the plans for their future. Give them leadership and guidance and keep the hand of Satan away from them. I commit them to you and your hand in Jesus' name and bless them in their engagement for your glory. Amen. God bless you. Congratulations to both of you. Amen. Give them a hand, folks. Praise the Lord. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord. Bind us together. Lord, bind us together with love. Let's stand together now. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 4, we'll read from the 16th verse. We want to say thank you to our musicians and to all of you that make the worship part of the service, the, the blessing that it is. Thank you very much. Romans 4 and verse 16, therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Notice this. All the seed, not to that only which is of the law, that is of the Jewish law and the Jews, but to all, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now he's speaking to the Romans here, and they are Gentiles, and he credits as now Abraham being their father. And he says, That is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Now, this morning we're going to be speaking again concerning El Shaddai, and we're going to be speaking on of on there of filling every fiber. You'll see where we're going here in a little bit, but um, as we're just making some uh, background to this, if you notice that doubt and unbelief, and of course it's um, offspring, which is fear, they are no benefit for unbelief is sin. And, but when, but faith is imputed to you for righteousness. When we believe, God imputes that to you as righteousness. And so it puts, actually puts righteousness in your account. And uh, so Paul proclaims that it is of faith and not of works or something you merited uh, and received a reward for doing something good, but uh, so that it would be of grace to all his seeds. So it wasn't in keeping the law and you get merits for, for how well you kept the law, but it was of faith that it might be by grace to all of his seed. And verse 16 declared that Abraham is the father of us all. Verse 17 says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. Now this was El Shaddai, almighty God given life to the dead who, and who calls things that do not exist as already as though they already did. And so even right now, if you're looking at it, God looks at everything is done. It is finished. So your healing is finished. Your salvation is finished. Everything has been provided for you and God calls it, it's already done. Amen. And so he acts as though it already exists in time because for him it's already settled. And, and that is true. He called for light, and of course, light did not exist. But he called it as though it did, and light came. And he called Abraham the father of many nations before those nations existed. And this was the point that, that um, uh, Paul was making here, that, that Abraham was called our father, father of many nations, before we even were existing But you see, that's God. He calls those things which do not exist as though they already did. And that's why you can say, I am healed before it even happens. You say, well, I need some evidence of my healing. Faith is the evidence of what you are not seeing. You may not see it, but your faith is the evidence of that healing. You need no other evidence but faith. Now, and of course, when hope is gone, you still believe. 
So he said, be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. This is verse 19. When he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's wombs. If you notice this, he was not weak in faith. And the reason, and, and not being weak in faith, his faith would not consider his body that was dead. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Faith does not consider that negative. Faith only considers what God has done. Amen. At Calvary, he finished it once and for all. Your healing was provided for. Your salvation was provided for. Your children was provided for. Everything you have need of was provided for. And we need no other evidence than faith. We believe it. And when we believe it, God declares that's righteous. So you want to be righteous with God, you got to believe him. This is what makes you righteous with God is by believing him. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Now, the promise was staggering. Let me just say it again. It was staggering to think a 99-year-old man's going to have a child. A woman that hadn't had a child since she was a young girl and had this problem all her life. And now she's 90 years old. And the, and the whole promise was staggering. Amen. I want you to understand. You see, the promises of God are always staggering. They're beyond the mind. They're beyond the, the ability of reasoning. They are beyond, beyond the, the ability of the flesh. Amen. But they are not beyond the ability of your faith. But being strong in faith, he gave glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, he was already declaring it as though it was when he didn't even see it as yet. Amen. If you want to be righteous with God, that's what you have to do. You have to declare it already. I am, I am sinless. I am blood washed. I am a child of God. I am the rapture. Amen. The resurrection life lives on the inside of me. I am healed. I am delivered. I am free. And when you declare what God says, that's righteousness. Now, he staggered not at the promise of the God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Amen. That what he had promised, God was able to perform it. Now, Abraham didn't say, now I can make this happen. Abraham didn't say, I can do this. He said he was fully persuaded that what else had I, almighty God, had promised. He was able to do it. Amen. So how did Abraham do that when there was no hope for it to happen? He did it by giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, God was able to perform it. So he did it by dwelling on the promise and God's ability, and consider not his body now dead, neither yet the, the deadness of Sarah's womb. And Sarah did the same. She simply judged that God was faithful who made the promise. 
Amen. Well, you know, I'm 90 years old, but God's faithful. Abraham is 99 years old, but God is faithful. This has never happened before in all recorded history, but God is faithful. What he promised, he is able to perform it. We've got to believe that for our body change. We've got to believe it for every promise of God for the rapture. Come on. We've got to believe that what God promised, he is able to do it. Now, this is where she receives strength by judging him faithful, by looking at his word and saying, it's true. And, you know, I can't, I'm not looking at my symptoms. If I look at that, I'll stagger. But I'm looking over here at my God. And my God's the almighty God. And my God is faithful. Whatever he said, he's faithful. He will perform it. Now, as we have been through it, God appeared to Abraham at the age of 99, Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 90 and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. So here he introduces himself as the almighty God or El Shaddai. In the Hebrew, it's El Shaddai, meaning the breasted God. And this is, uh, this represents or types out the Holy Ghost from whom we drink life from. Where, where was Abraham going to get strength? From what the Almighty God had said. He was going to draw his strength from El Shaddai. He met with me. He stood in my midst. I had a personal experience with him. He provided for me and gave me a promise, and I'm going to believe what that promise said. Even though I don't have no hope, I'm going to believe in hope. Amen. I'm going to start believing in the hope. I'm going to, we're going to bring forth a child. Now, El Shaddai was bringing a message full of promises. And that's the message that we have received from God in our generation. And it was given to us to nurse on until the body changed. The the Holy Ghost is El Shaddai that we are to drink in with refreshing after refreshing. Notice again, they received strength. They were refreshed from El Shaddai. On the promises of El Shaddai. This is where they got their strength from. They did not give their strength on by considering their body now dead. Or the deadness of Sarah's womb. You won't get strength from considering what the doctor said. And what the symptoms are. You're not going to get strength from that. You'll get depressed. You'll be getting worried. You'll get fearful. You'll become afraid. But when you consider what God said and that he is able. Now, again, at this junction, it is a junction that we must constantly receive of the Holy Ghost. A constant, continual renewing. A constant nursing from El Shaddai. Now more than ever before, it is why why so many are dead without life. 
They aren't nursing daily. Remember, to re- if you just walk, if you don't walk with Jesus every day, you're just taking on a denominational life. That's all it is, organizational life. You're just a denominational believer. You might come to a message church, but you'll act like the Baptist or the Methodist or the Presbyterian. Just have an organizational life. Amen. When you, when you there uh, uh, to have a life worthy of the gospel, you must follow Jesus every day. Is that right? Now, you see, nursing daily, it comes in many forms with lots of nutrients. Amen. We got, we got far more vitamins than what Abraham had. Come on. We got a whole Bible full. We got a lot more examples than what Abraham said. We got types and shadows throughout all the Bible from the Old through the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. So again, you know, we, we, we have plenty of nutrients. Amen. El Shaddai gives life through prayer meetings, through altar calls, through prayer lines, through reading his word, hearing his word, fellowshipping with the saints, singing and worship, the family altar at home, at work, or while driving down the road, or when, try, when praying in the spirit. Amen. Or, or, you know, you turn on the tape. There's no limit. I want you to understand there's no limit. He wants to pour himself into us. And now in this age, there are more ways to nurse from him than ever before. Amen. We've got to avail ourselves of every chance, of every opportunity, of every channel that he gives us. Come on now. God gave us gadgets, Brother Branham said, to, and it recorded his voice. Amen. Gave us 1,100 tapes. Amen. Your phone is more than for social media. And to keep up with the news, there's the Bible that you can listen to and read. There's a message you can listen to and read. There's a fivefold ministry around the world that is ministering life. Encouragement, strength, and you've got to avail yourself of every channel that he gives us. This is why we will be at the church every time the door is open. Amen. We're not denominational Christians who comes sporadically, you know, and, and are there sometime, or, you know, here on vacation this other time, doing this another time, and going all the time. Come on. We are not denominational Christians. We are dedicated, consecrated, blood-washed sons and daughters of God. Amen. So when the doors is open, we don't act like Baptists on Wednesday night and don't show up till Sunday and miss half of them. We're not denominational Christians. We don't have an organizational life. We have a pride life because we are in pride time with a love affair between us and the bridegroom. This is why that we will sacrifice jobs to go to, to travel to special meetings with believers. This is why we have prayer meetings and Bible studies and family altered home. And more than ever before, we must be connected. Can I get that word to you? Connected. 
to the life-giving flow. Hallelujah. Keep nursing. Keep nursing. Oh, Brother Tim, we're not babies. We're grown up. Well, even Peter types us as newborn babes who desire the sincere milk of the word. Don't you want the word? It's milk. Amen. You say, uh, we're not newborns. Let me tell you, friends, we, we are not, now listen to me, we're not born of the other ages. We are newborn people in this last age who have been introduced to the fullness of God and the open book where that is unlimited in its resources that you can nurse from there anytime, any place, anywhere. It is unlimited. Amen. Well, well, but we're not newborn babes. Well, Abraham was 99 years old, but to God, he was still a baby. I want to say in comparison to eternity, you might be 65, but I'll tell you what, you're a baby in the sight of God. You just barely even started into life. Is that right? Now, in this type, you can never quit nursing. It's not one and done. It's not a sip of the Holy Ghost once in a while. It's not a sip of the Holy Ghost and it's just a special meeting and then we go through dry times the rest of the time. Amen. No, it's expecting. Amen. You know, a little, a little, a little kid or lamb or, or calf, it'll go to his mama there and it'll, it'll punch. It'll take that, that nipple in its mouth and it'll punch at it. What's it doing? It is causing the flow to start coming down. All of you mothers that have carried babies and nursed your baby know what it means for the milk to come down. Amen. And it comes by stimulating. And we come in the presence of God and we stimulate him with amens and hallelujahs and songs of praise. And he starts pouring down the milk and he starts dropping it down into your mouth. It'll stream out. Hallelujah. May this be that kind of service where men and women have come prepared and they're punching there and punching and punching and stimulating. Pour it out, Lord. Pour it out. Give it to me. Give it to me. I need more of you. Broken cisterns, you're old and your strength is gone. Just lay upon my bosom and nurse your strength from this fountain. Amen. What did he nurse himself to? A new body. Yeah, I knew something was pulling on me. Now, so what did he nurse himself to? A new body. You see, again, he changed Abraham back to a young man by, again, just by holding on to his word. Hold on. Don't let go of it. Take a hold of that promise. Amen. Pull strength from El Shaddai. His words are spirit and life. Without the word, you have not the spirit. And without the spirit, you have not the word. So we got the full word and no spirit, you don't have the full word. You say, well, we got the spirit and no word. Come on. The doctrine ain't right. You don't have the spirit. Amen. They're both one and the same. 
So as he said in God's covenant confirmed, or Abraham's covenant confirmed, so he gave him his own name, Abraham. And when he did that, the next thing after he did, after he gave him that name, placed that on his name, what did he do? He gave him a sign that he was absolutely ready to absolutely destroy all sin that was around him. And I want you to listen to this word and positionally put his body in condition to receive the promised son that he waited on. Amen. Exactly what he's done to the church. Notice what he said. He positionally put his body in condition to receive the promised son. Amen. Now, remember it, it quickens your mortal body. Romans 8, 11. Put that up for me. Romans 8, 11. He quickens your mortal body. I want you to understand. It makes your mortal body alive to God and dead to sin. Amen. But it's more than just a mental knowledge. It's even more than a work in the soul. And I'm going to show you the quotes for this. It's more than just the soul. It's your body. Your physical body that's going to be changed already starts. A change starts in it. Oh my. It quickens your mortal body. But if the spirit of him, is that the Holy Ghost? Is that El Shaddai, the almighty God that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you? Come on. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. So now for those who say the Holy Ghost comes without feeling or without knowing it, here's how Brother Branham demonstrated this. In the Easter seal, he said, you are quickened. This is 1965, just months before he would leave. And he said, this quickening power brings your body into a raptured condition already. Your body gets in a raptured condition. Hallelujah. Amen. What do you think that is happening there when you shout and rejoice and you dance in the spirit and you speak in a heavenly language? Amen. What are you thinking? Your body is getting in a raptured condition. Hallelujah. It's a quickening up. It's a life-giving power. Watch what he said. Already notice the Pentecostal people up there, they got quickened by the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. When those Pentecostal group up there on the day of Pentecost received their abstract deed from God, sure, it glorified their souls. Oh, it glorified their souls, Brother Tim. You're, you're missing it. Well, listen. He said, sure, it glorified their soul. They screamed. They saw tongues of fire separated on them, and it so quickened their body till they couldn't even speak in an earthly language anymore. It quickened their body to a heavenly language, the place that they're going to. Hallelujah. Quickening power of God shook their mortal bodies so their entire mortal language was transfigured. Mortal language transfigured, transformed into an immortal language. What a quickening power. 
if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body, it shall also quicken your mortal bodies. We are quickened them by the power of the living God. Tongues quickened to a new heavenly language to speak to them. A rapturing up. Listen, a rapturing up, raising them up into a different atmosphere than they ever lived in. What in the world do you think is happening with a man or a woman that gets touched by the power of God and they react to it and they run or scream or shout amen or hallelujah. Or it's nothing but, just like Hattie Wright said, it's nothing but the truth. Amen. Whatever it was, what happened was, you see, it quickened them. Listen, raise rapturing up raising them up into a different atmosphere than what they had ever lived in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Also with the new quickening life to them that came in on them, that, that come on them, it quickened their language. They spoke with new tongues. Oh yes, now watch them. It was designed to give them, after this abstract, it was designed to give them every promise that was on the grounds. Watch this, every promise that was on the grounds. So you see, they didn't have to just take one thing. Luther took justification, so that's all we want to eat. Wesley said sanctification, that's all we want to eat. Oh, we'll have a little bite of justification too, but, and, and Azusa Street said, well, we'll have the gifts. Give us a platter of gifts. Come on, but there's more to it. Amen. And Brother Brandon was saying there's more to tongues. More than tongues to the Pentecostal people. And you say, but we got the word, Brother Jim, then the word that has everything that's on the grounds. In there is justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, divine healing, a working of miracles, faith, hallelujah, every bit of it lays there. Hallelujah, you can sit at his table today and say, pass me some divine healing. I need healing. Pass me a dose of Holy Ghost. I need a refreshing. Pass me a big piece of that pie. I want, I want but the love of God, a more of Jesus in my life. Hallelujah, it gives you everything on the ground. You're not limited. Now, it was designed to give them every promise on the ground, every promise on the grounds of God's word that was promised in the Bible. That quickening power was given to them to quicken that promise to them. El Shaddai was right there quickening by the words she spoke to Abraham of faith. To start believing, oh, that Ishmael might, ah, uh, I didn't call Ishmael, I'm gonna bring Isaac. It's gonna be a child of the supernatural. Won't be your own ability. It'll be a child of the supernatural. And so he said, he said therefore, therefore they laid hands on the sick and they were healed. They spoke in new tongues. They did great signs and wonders because that was in God's promise. 
And when Jesus died to redeem that back to them, the grounds that belonged to the sons of God, he demonstrated what God was. So all you have to do is look and see what God was. You can see him. He was a healer, a worker of miracles, a savior to save from sin. Amen. Given of doctrine, of truth. Amen. All of it. He gave it all. Come on. You just look back at the ministry of Jesus Christ and his same attitude that he had then is the same attitude he has now. That was El Shaddai then. This is El Shaddai now. And he's the same in every detail. Except now he's not dwelling in that corporal body. He's now living in the body of his church. And when Jesus died to redeem that back to them, the ground that belonged to the sons of God, he demonstrated what God is. How dare we socialize that and put it to an organization? We have no rights to do that. How dare we say? How dare we say that this is only for the Pentecostal denominations? The Assembly of God or the UPC. You have no right to put that in organization. It is an experience. Amen. Pentecost is not a denomination. Our prophet told us over and over. It is an experience. You cannot hand it back and say that belongs back there to the assembly of God and the UPC and the Azusa movement, the church of God and all the organizations. You cannot put it back there. You have to look at it and say, that is ours. Every promise on the ground. Amen. How dare we to minimize that power that quickens the body until it overflows with such joy that our feet can't keep still. Our hands can't help but be raised. Amen. The tears are just overflowing. Amen. The mouth is speaking with both a heavenly language and an earthly language, glorifying God. Hallelujah. As he said, it's the Holy Spirit today hunting out on his hearts that will believe that message. Everything in the Bible that was promised is to that believer. Somebody say everything. Everything that was promised is to that believer. You say, Brother Tim, well, I tell you what you're doing is you're advocating gifts and miracles and signs and wonders. No, I'm advocating the full word. Every divine promise. If it's in there, it's mine. Not just the doctrines of the message, the life of the message. Hallelujah, every bit of it is mine. And when you accept it in its fullness, and God knows you'll do it, he'll give you the abstract to that. And then every promise that's made is in your possession. And the Holy Spirit is there to quicken that to you. What kind of people should we be? How wonderful to see the great Holy Spirit here to do that power. Think of it when the Holy Ghost itself here to bear witness of this hour. Jesus said so. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. How dare any man to wipe that out of there? Hallelujah, the works that I do shall you do also. And they try to wipe it out by saying that was only for the prophet. Come on. Amen, that's not the truth. The the truth is it's to every believer. 
Amen. The signs that follow them that believe. If God can get you to believe, then all things are possible. The works that I do, you will do them. And greater than these. Because I'm going to do it in a multi-membered body. Amen. Hallelujah. On earth, I could have but one prayer line. Now you can have prayer lines all over the world. Amen. Come on. Amen. Greater works. You say, Brother, Brother Tim, Brother Tim, a greater works should speak in the word. Let me tell you, just do these other works first. And then we'll worry about you speaking the word. Just start doing what you can do. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Come on. Amen. Cast out devils in my name. Amen. You can have it. It's yours. It belongs to you. You're the children of the most high God. How dare any man to wipe that out. Oh, these, when we see a group of people sitting together and those signs manifesting themselves, that's the assurance, the abstract is there to vindicate that's property of God. You know what God did to us in this day? When he ripped the seals off the book, he was clearing the deed. He was giving the church an abstract. Hallelujah, an abstract. That means that the deed, the title was searched and every debt against it was wiped off. Amen, God sent a prophet to do a title search and he searched back of the handing of the book down from the different ages and the liens that was against it, the debts of the Trinity doctrine, the debts of unbelief and false doctrine down to the ages and false baptism. But God in this day and hour took the book and loosed the seals, cleared the deed and gave the church an abstract. That means the devil ain't got no claim on this bride. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on. He might be able to keep the Lutheran age from having a rapture because of their Trinity doctrine. He might have had did the same with Wesley and keep them from having a rapture. But he can't keep us from having a rapture. Hallelujah. We've got the debt paid in full and cleared. The blood, the Holy Spirit has been put on every false doctrine and opened the book to you and me. That false doctrine that says days of miracles are past. That false doctrine says that God don't heal no more. That false doctrine that says there can't be any more prayer line or no altar call. Those are false doctrines. And God cleared the deed. I tell you, we ought to let freedom bells ring. You talk about a 4th of July celebration and fireworks going on. There ought to be Just worship God. Just take a minute and praise Him. Hallelujah. 
cleared. I said, your debt is cleared. Even so much so clear till he said, you never did it in the first place. You are justified. righteousness amen take a seat for a moment and it is the rising of the sun now this is the Easter message it is the rising of the sun in April just before it be his last Easter sermon and he said listen close now I'm trying to show you You ready for what he's trying to show? The quickening power wasn't only in their soul. That was through the end of day. We don't want it, brother. We don't want it. We don't want it. We don't want no manifestation. We don't want no fleshly demonstration. We don't want it. We don't want somebody shouting and jumping and speaking in tongues. We don't want them blabbering, screaming youngins in our church. Amen. Listen, he said the quickening power wasn't only in their soul, but it was all over them. All over them. Amen. Not only the dynamics to come in to quicken, but it quickened the mechanics. You see what I mean? They were so quickened until their tongues began to speak in another language. They were so quickened by the power of the resurrection of Christ until they laid their hands. They were so quickened with the quickening power till they laid their hands on the sick and they got well. It quickened your moral body. Hallelujah. Amen. What did we see when we we saw Mariah get healed? Hair got to going back. The glory returned. What did we see? We saw her mortal body quickened. What happened when Atlanta ran all over this building? Amen. What happened that day? It quickened her mortal body. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. What happened when Sister Karen's sight came back and the glory of God moved over and little Drew jumped up and ran around the room. Never had walked before. Never had crawled before. Got up all by himself. What happened? It quickened his mortal body. Hallelujah. They were healed by laying on hands. And the spirit quickened their fellowship together with God. Woo, the spirit quickened their fellowship with God. And they were so quickened in the presence of God till when a person died and their soul had gone off, it called him back to life again. Amen, glory, now I'm feeling religious. That's right, quickened. Not only was there his resurrection for himself, but for whosoever will to this predestinated seed that's laying there. Quicken, quickens the mortal body. They laid hands on the sick and they, they recovered. They prayed. In the spirit, they saw visions. They called the dead back to life. That's right, it quickened their mortal body. Now here's his prayer for the church. At the end of this sermon, it is the rising of the sun. You want to know the prayer he prayed over you? May them, Father, if they're sick, may they walk out well. 
May if they're crippled, they walk out under the power of the Holy Spirit. If they've been sinners, may they walk out washed and clean. And the mechanics by going in, the dynamics from above, the Holy Spirit and catch them away, Lord, and quicken their mortal body. Then we shall hear genuine new tongues and powers of God, love untold, dying grace and living grace, and a resurrected Christ, a body, a bride representing him on the earth. Hallelujah, you've been prayed over. Hallelujah, the prophet prayed over you. Amen, quicken their mortal bodies. Quicken them. Now, the Holy Ghost gives faith for the rapture. Faith for the rapture lays within the Holy Ghost. The dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. It lies within the life-giving flow from El Shaddai when it's received in its fullness. Now, listen, church, and here's the danger. We're living in an awful age, and it's an age where there's scoffers, not only scoffers, there's impersonators, and these impersonators also scoff and cause the word to be scoffed at. Now, I want to get this. We've been preaching a bit evangelistically. Now, I want to I deal with this scripturally for a moment because we cannot look and see how the devil has impersonated this experience and cheapen the gift of speaking in tongues and the nine spiritual gifts and then dismiss that and take it from your inheritance. We cannot do that. You cannot preach the open book and part of it missing. You cannot say the true, uh, the true understanding of God is important. Baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is a necessary part. Predestination and knowing we were in his thoughts before the foundation of the world and all that's necessary part. But then speaking in tongues is not. Are the gifts of the spirit, which that's just the least. To be against any of the word is antichrist. But you say, but Brother Tim, it's been impersonated. It's been so impersonated. Standing in the gap. Now this is at the end age that we're living in. Where we come through justification, sanctification, baptism of the Spirit, Holy Spirit ahead signs and wonders and all different things and the gifts has returned to the church such as divine healing and prophecy and speaking with tongues and interpretation and though it's been misrepresented terrifically this is, this is after the seal stand in the gap Jeffersonville sermon but yet that don't take away there is a good one there is a good one of a real, genuine, a gift of speaking tongue in tongues that's always supposed to be in the church. Now, though it's been misrepresented terrifically, there is a genuine gift that is always supposed to be in the church. Now, listen, listen, we have what is happening in this age is a resisting of the truth. If you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy 3 and 7, the Bible said they're ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
Oh, they learn doctrines and this and that, but they don't ever never know the knowledge of the truth because the knowledge of the truth is Jesus Christ. To know him as life. Now, Janice and Jambres withstood Moses. Now, I want you to know a withstanding against the true prophet. So does these also resist the truth. So the Bible is telling you truth is going to be resisted. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be made manifest in all men as theirs was also was. Now, I want you to get this. God sends Moses down to Israel. Now remember, it was the coming of the Lord. It was. He said, I have come down to deliver them. He meets them in a pillar of fire. He said, I have come down to deliver them. So it was the coming of the Lord. Now, what did they see? A prophet with a message from the pillar of fire. That's what we've received in this day. A message from the pillar of fire. Amen. Why? Because God has come down. Amen. From heaven with a shout, with a message. Are you with me? Amen. Now, I want you to notice God gave him signs to prove he was from God. Now, notice this. He would come. He said, Jehovah sent me. And here's the signs. And at first, the Israelites rejoiced when they heard the message of God. Exodus 4.30. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had delivered or visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their afflictions, then he, they bowed their heads in worship. So the first response on seeing the signs, this is of God and it's for our deliverance. Is that right? And they believed. But now the resistance of the truth was caused by the impersonation of the miracles. And it hardened the hearts of the Egyptians. Didn't it not? It also hardened the hearts of the Israelites and made them to disbelieve. Exodus 5, 21. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our Savior to be a horde in the eyes of Pharaoh. So here they come and said, here in the eyes of Pharaoh and his servants had put a sword in their hand to, to slay us. What you have done is put a sword in their hand didn't deliver us at all. You just put a sword in their hand. Amen. Exodus 14, 12. And they look again, they refer back to this and said, is this not the word that we did tell thee in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? Look at these. Here again, these people after seeing the signs But then the impersonators came and they changed their whole tune about the signs. No longer are they believing because they're signs. They're saying, we told you just leave us alone in our denominational Egypt. Amen. But you, you brought us out because there was no graves in Egypt. And he said, you've made us a, to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. We, you've made a mockery out of us all. 
by showing his signs. So they began believing, but the impersonation caused them to resent the signs. Watch now. I want you to see the strong delusion caused by the resistance of truth by impersonating the signs that even called Israel the seed of Abraham and the children of the promise to begin to doubt. It cheapened the gifts of God and its signs and wonders until they didn't want them. And the same thing has happened in our day. The same thing that happened in our day. The very signs that Brother Branham was sent to do to show us that the word was present to deliver us. That I met with the pillar of fire by the time the impersonation started happening among the Pentecostals. It cheapened it to the point that today some of the seed of Abraham, the message believers, don't even want a sign. Now, let me just tell you, they knew it was being cheapened. John G. Lake said that, you know, just a few years after Azusa Street, and he was one of the elders at Azusa Street, he said, you know, our tongues have become a bit rattly, and they don't sound right. They come right down. I just listened to a testimony of Brother Valdez Sr. from the Full Gospel Businessman. This is in January 1968. Now, he was contemporary with Isaac Shakarian. He was father of Demas Shakarian. He was 10 years old. He was 10 years old at Azusa, and Isaac Shakarian was 14. And, then, and this is his testimony. Now, he's at the full gospel businessman, and he's seeing a proliferation of tongues among them. He's seeing Baptists and Methodists and Episcopalian, and all of them begin to speak with tongues. And listen, this is where Brother Branham had problems. There was no holiness there. They still right on, would, would not submit to the word, bobbing hair, painting their face, dressing like Jezebel, had their shorts on, cross-dressing, doing all the things, come on, and yet claiming the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues at the drop of a hat until it cheapened the gift of God. And I'm trying to get it to you until it made it so cheap Till the seed of Abraham didn't want it. Now Valdez says, Brother Valdez, he was there 10 years old at Azusa Street. When the power of God fell 62 years ago in Los Angeles, and this is 1968, that our hearts were open to what God was taking place and oh, what a glorious experience it was. And if you were asked me this question, Brother Valdez, what is it? After all these years of watching this wave of Pentecost all over the world, and what is it today that concerns you more than anything? And this is my answer. We have seen wave after wave of the power of God accompanied with healings and miracles. And we thank God for our healings and signs and wonders and all those things. But as we approach this very soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the terrific things that are going to take place proceeding is coming, this one thing concerns me more than anything else. Let us not forget the most important thing of all. Remember this, I believe. In speaking in tongues, I believe in gifts of the Spirit. I believe in manifestations of the power of God. And I don't enjoy a dead Pentecostal meeting. 
However, I know this, that St. Paul, if St. Paul was trying to tell us anything more than anything else in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14, he's telling us that no gift is a true standard of deep spirituality. Now, so stop for a moment. Janice and Jambres were magicians. And they impersonated and threw their rods down and they become a serpent. They didn't do that by the power of Satan. He can't create. They did that by the power of God. God allowed it for the hardening of hearts. To bring a strong delusion. Not hold the thought now. And, and so this is, it, he said, no gift is a true standard of deep spirituality. Now, they had gifts. They could even turn water into blood like Moses did. They, they could stand there and bring plagues like Moses did. Right? Yes. Amen. They could cast their serpent, their rod down and become a serpent like Moses did. Only thing, Moses swallowed theirs up. Their folly was made manifest. But nevertheless, you know, no true gift or no gift is a true standard of deep spirituality. Hear it, folks. There is no gift that is a true standard of deep spirituality. He said you can have all these gifts, and if you haven't got the love of God, it profits you nothing. Now we're approaching the coming of Jesus, and the thing, as far as I'm concerned, it is more important than anything else is holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And Pentecost was losing their holiness. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to be correct doctrinally on the second coming and everything else and then be lost? This is what he's warning the Azusa people. And he goes on to say, listen, folks, the most important thing from now on is the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, my God, help us not to forget it. Listen, in the midst of our shouting, you can become so obsessed with the idea, I've got to speak in tongues. The first thing you know, the big thing is speaking tongues. And, and, and that's what they did. They made that the important thing. It was more important than repentance. It was more important than holiness. It was more important than anything else. As long as we speak in tongues, we got the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand. He said, you become obsessed with the idea. I've got to speak in tongues. The first thing you know, the big things is speaking tongues. A brother came to me and he said, you know, I had a hard time receiving the baptism until a certain preacher come along and he showed me how easy it was. And he says, well, all you have to do is start with one syllable and say, da. And keep saying, da. And then he said, add another syllable and say, do. And then you say, da, do. And then he said another one and say, add another one and say, da, do, de. Da, do, de. And he said, say that again, brother. That's wonderful, wonderful. You know, da, de, de. Da, do, de. Da, de, de. Oh, hallelujah. You received the baptism. He said, brother, is an old-fashioned preacher with 52 years of Pentecostal preaching behind me. As far as I'm concerned, those folks have rec- that received that kind of experience only have a lot of da-do-dee. 
the Bible still says of your innermost beings of flow, rivers of living waters. So can you say amen? Woo, hey, hallelujah. I said rivers of living waters. Hallelujah. That was his testimony. Amen. What was his point? You see, it's not something you manufacture. It's not something you work up. It's out of your innermost being. Shall flow rivers. Not of WD, not of an impersonation, but the Holy Ghost overflowing in you. Hallelujah. Speak it out in your life. Glorifying God. The impersonations have done the same today until the mixed multitude among believers say, we don't want the anointing. We don't need it. You know, because of the anointed ones at the end time. Remember, the anointing was not sent for the tare. It was sent for the wheat. And just because the tare raises its hands up and dances and shouts because the rain don't mean we don't have the right to raise up our hands and dance and shout. Hallelujah. Because that rain was sent for us, not the tares. I want to submit to you, we are the anointed ones at the end time. The true anointed. First John 2 and 7, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. This anointing, amen, abideth in you that you need not any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you of all things. And it's the truth and is no lie. And even as it taught you, you shall abide in him. That's First John 2, 27. So you see, the anointing that you receive abideth in you. It's more than an anointing that comes and goes. But it's anointing that abides within you. And you don't need anybody to say, now that's sin and that's sin. Don't do this and don't do that. And go with you to the grocery store or to the clothing store and pick out your clothes. Amen. But no, he abideth in you and he teaches you all things. And you shall abide in him. Now Easter seal. Brother Branham said, while we're right at an Easter, when he raised, we raised with him. He sent the abstract back. We hold it as a baptism of the Holy Ghost. He is alive forevermore, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13 proves that. He is the same. He is messianic. His anointed ones believe that. What is the Messiah? What is the Messiah? Messiah is the anointed one. And now if he was the Messiah by being the anointed one for that day to fulfill the word of God, to be the redeemer and the anointed one and God raised up that body, his bride is the anointed one for this day. Hallelujah. I'm looking at a bunch of anointed ones. Anointed with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Not a Holy Ghost that comes and goes, but it abides with you forever. Hallelujah, I can hear him say, and and who do you say this is? Give me a church that's so completely anointed with God until their every action and move. It's thus saith the Lord, walk in that kind of glory, and I'll show you Messiah, an anointed one upon the earth. Hallelujah. 
He says in Christ, the mystery of God revealed that there would come a time he would express himself in fullness of his Godhead deity through his church. Have the preeminent church, the anointed man, now the anointed people. Oh, to bring back the anointed bride and bridegroom. Hallelujah, you see, that's it. We have the anointing. Amen. Amen. And of his anointing, we have received grace upon grace. And that anointing breaks the yoke of unbelief and doubts and fears. Come on. Causes us to believe. Uh, But we can become reluctant to embrace signs and wonders. And yet the signs and wonders of casting out devils and speaking in new tongues, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, are to follow them that believe. Just because we find a bogus $100 bill we can't allow counterfeits to cause us to burn our money. That's right. Amen. We cannot allow impersonators to cause us to despise the signs that God has given us. We cannot disbelieve the signs. Why am I saying this? Because we must believe all the word. Amen. It must saturate our entire being. It must fill every fiber. And to do this, we must have all the word of God. Mark 16, 20, what's this? And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. This is what is to happen after we preach the word. Amen. The word confirmed with signs following. You say, Brother Tim, he don't need confirmed. Brother Branham, it was confirmed in him. Let me, it was confirmed in Jesus, so we didn't need Brother Branham. If you're gonna lose it, use that reasoning. Come on, Jesus did it all. You might as well become a denominational Baptist Church of Christ. You must be against the anointing. Amen. They went forth and preached everywhere and the Lord was working with them confirming the signs with signs following. Hallelujah. Hebrews 2 and 4. God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. God bearing them witness. God's going to bear the church witness. The signs will follow them that believe. This is a day again where the word is incarnate in a people as it was in Christ 2,000 years ago. And it's now being rejected. Oh yeah. Let me just stop for a minute. Remember that's Laodicea. I stand at the door and knock. He's on the outside the church. And they put him out. Is that right? Now, I want you to know, you see, it's the fullness of the Holy Ghost that we have received, not a portion. It's the fullness of the word that we have received, not a part. No part of the book is closed. It is even more than the first age, for now it's the full word in bride form getting ready for a rapture. Are you with me? The fullness of the Godhead in the bride, Christ in bride form. I want you to look, it's line upon line. And Brother Brandon, 
uses the scripture in the seals, after the seals, and before the seals. In Isaiah 28, 10, for precept must be upon precept. We cannot deny any precept of the truth. Precept upon precept, line upon line. We cannot exclude any part of it. Amen, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye cause the weary to rest. And this is a refreshing, yet they would not hear it. Oh, this is a refreshing. The refreshing is line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, and stammering lips with other tongue. I'll speak to this people, and this is the rest. Speaking of the Holy Ghost that would come, Paul would refer back to this scripture as being speaking in tongues by the Holy Ghost. You see, it's the hour of Joel's prophecy. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and daughters shall prophesy. They shall dream dreams and they shall see visions. Amen. Now, and turn on the light, Brother Brandon said, did you know, realize we've moved on from that? We are in bride time. How many believe we're in bride time? The selecting time. The time the bride, they said we would have all that the caterpillar left, Joel 2, 28, all the canker caterpillar, the palmer worm eaten, the palmer worm left, the locust eaten. You see, it's restoration hour. Somebody with me? Mighty God unveiled, he said it this way. In Joel 2, 28, he promised in the last day there'd be a latter rain poured out upon the people. In the last day, I think the, the Greek word there is kinos, which means he emptied himself out. Hallelujah, this is the day he empties himself out. In other words, we receive all of God. Not just one doctrine of truth like Luther had, but the entire word revealed back again. And with the entire word comes the entire power. Amen. Notice he said he emptied himself out. Not in the way he was said. Like something was inside of somebody that he emptied out, but he poured himself out. He changed him, his amorphy. He changed from what he was to what he is. He never changes his nature. But on the day of Pentecost, he changed himself from being the son of man to son of God. And he came not, he came Not with the people, he came in the people, see? The same God to carry his ministry on through in this great age. Amen, Amen. pouring out his spirit into every fabric, to every fiber of our lives. I'm telling you, there's still more fibers within you to be filled with God. In the message oneness, he said, you've got to get with the word and get yourself killed out. I'm persuaded many of us friends have received the Holy Ghost, but we receive just enough Holy Ghost to make us to a place we don't want to lie, we don't want to steal, we don't want to do anything. Amen. But God wants to feel every fiber of his church. Listen to this. God wants to feel every fiber of you. Not just get you aware that you, listen now, just stop this for a minute. This is what he said in the message, Paul a prisoner. He said, what did Moses do? He said, there with his campaign and things that he tried to do in his self-effort, what did he do? He killed one Egyptian. He did not deliver the people. 
Amen. He killed one Egyptian. He said, maybe made a man live true to his wife. You see, that's as good as denomination can take you. But he said he didn't deliver the people. And he said, that's what we've done with our campaigns and our adding to church and a million more in 44 and these great revivals of the past. He said, made somebody live good. Conform people. Listen, this is more than getting you conformed. This is about you getting transformed. Are you with me? It is more than just being a good message member. And we have a church called Message Church. It's more than that. Amen. There is a deliverance, a complete and total deliverance that must be in this day that delivers the bride from this world of Egypt and takes her in a rapture. And to do that, God wants to feel every fiber of of his church. He wants to feel your thinking. He wants to feel your mind. Amen. He wants to feel every bit of you and just make you so completely dead, totally dead yourself. You're thinking till you're so surrendered in God till his words just living right through you. You don't know nothing else but God's word. You stay right with his word. It's life. My words are life, said Jesus. And he placed with them teachers, believe in the Bible, prophets that say the truth, that show the same prophecy they always did down to the age. What is he doing? He's showing himself alive among them, confirming his word, his word, the kingdom of God is God's word made power. Again, he goes on on there and picks up that story and said, here we are at the end time. And we're coming from the east and the west and the north and the south. There's been a great call went out. Come on, church. Amen. And it gathered some of you here and some of that, but to the word, that's where it's gathering you. Amen. What are we doing? Getting ready for that rapture. Getting ready for holding ourselves steady for a few minutes till every fiber is filled with the Holy Ghost. Then she'll go up. You want Jesus to come back? You're tired of this sinful world? You want the rapture to happen? Amen. You want the resurrection to take place? Amen. We got to hold ourselves steady. Amen. For a few minutes till every fiber is filled with the Holy Ghost, then she'll go up. Oh, my calling his people together to himself in one true oneness with himself because it is his one Holy Spirit. Eat the book. Eat from El Shaddai. The whole book. And then prophesy. And then preach the whole book. That's all I'm asking. Let's just preach the whole book. Come on. But you see in that hour there also comes a strong delusion and a resistance to the truth. Now, you see, all Satan needs to do is to get us to deny one word of the Bible to be true and to refuse it to allow in our, in our li- to work in our lives. That's the same as denying it. Come on. Amen. Listen, listen. Well, you said, Brother Tim, we believe. We believe in healing. We just don't preach it. Listen, it won't work. It's got to be preached. 
Are you with me? You got to prophesy the whole book. So, well, we, we believe in the gifts, but, you know, they're on the shelf. Well, I doubt you even got a shelf. But nevertheless, you know, if they're on your shelf for crying out loud, get them off and use them. They wasn't given to you to store in a jewelry box. They were given to give, keep the church clean. To chase out devils with. To bring words of encouragement. Give faith in the hearts of believers. To bring healing to the sick. To cast out devils. To speak in heavenly language. To pray in the spirit. To sing in the spirit. But in this hour, there comes a strong delusion and a resistance to the truth. All Satan needs to do is to get us to deny one word of the Bible to be true for today. You might agree that's true. Oh, yeah, it happened in Brother Branham's time. But what about today? Well, no, that was only, you see, you become Church of Christ. And, and, and I'm, I'm speaking about Alexander Campbell's Church of Christ, where you're against the anointing. Because you say it all happened in Brother Brandon's ministry and we don't need it now. I don't know who we are, but I'm not part of you. Amen. Amen. But anyway, you see, all he needs to do is get us to deny one word of the Bible or refuse it to work. Now, Laodicea is the last church agent is to be blind and Satan comes along with that blindness until Christ the anointing and the word is refused entrance. Go with me to Revelations 3.17. But thou sayest, I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now I want you to notice in the day, in the day when God pours out his spirit, there is also a blindness that comes in that same age. Look at what is happening. Here Laodicea, the last expression of deity to the church, the amen of God, the final say, the full word. And it gets rejected by his own church. Now watch. I want you to notice in the day when God pours out his spirit, I'm going to read Joel 2.23 because Brother Branham constantly pointed us back to Joel chapter 2 as happening today. This is the latter rain. Now, in Joel 2.23, be glad, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. He will cause come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. The floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. Don't sound like a time of starvation, does it? Amen. It's a full crop. It's harvest time. There's plenty. And I will restore to you the years that the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Now, if you stop here just for a minute, this was originally spoke to Israel about their captivity and their restoration. But it was speaking to Israel, spiritual Israel also, that there would be a come a time of restoration. There would be four insects, which would be, as you saw, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, 
and the palmer worm. All of these, all of these four insects would go forth. These are the same as the, the spirits under the seal, a white horse, a red, a black, and a pale. Now, they would ride. There would be an army, and they would strip away the promises of God from the church. Brother Brandon would go at great lengths, and he said some of that was joy, that it would strip off the tree, and healing, he would strip off the tree, workings of miracles, and he'd strip off the tree. He would strip the bride tree down. But he says, I will restore, saith the Lord, Amen. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Hallelujah. El Shaddai is not going to run out. And praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wonders with you. And my people shall never be embarrassed. I'm not going to let them down. When they need healing, it's going to be there. When they need the Holy Ghost, it's going to be there. Hallelujah. Amen. When they need deliverance, it's going to be in the house of God. Come on. Hallelujah. My people shall never be left holding the bag and standing there empty-handed. But every promise that I have is going to be yours. And you will know that I'm in the midst of my bride and I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed and it shall come to pass afterwards. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision and upon the servants, upon my handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth and blood and fire and pillars of smoke and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon in the blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered for in Mount Zion, that's the bride and in Jerusalem, that's Israel and in the remnant That's the foolish virgin of the 144,000 whom the Lord shall call. There's going to be deliverance in all three of those places. Are you with me? Now, Peter picks up on this and he preaches this and he says, this coming of the Holy Ghost, which Brother Branham said was El Shaddai, the almighty God coming down to live in them, to do in them what they couldn't do themselves. And he says, now, he said, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Amen. Now, Brother Brandon comes along and he also declares, this is that. And he adds to it, if this ain't that, I'll keep this till that comes. Is that right? But I want you to notice in Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, again, it says, the sun shall be turned to darkness. And the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord shall come. Now, the notable day of the Lord is the time of tribulation. And there is going to be a time of darkness in the time where great light is coming. This is what Brother Bradham preached to us in Shalom. He said it's darkness to the world. And they're keeping on getting dark. He said, look at the darkness there in the homosexuals and what is happening with them, the perversion. 
He said even wearing blue, blue, uh, blue sh- uh, suede with purple shoes. And, you know, he's just talking about effeminate dressing. Are you with me? Amen. Now, let me just tell you this. There, there, is, there, is, there, there is perhaps physical darkness that will come up on the earth during the tribulation, like in the days of the plague upon Egypt. But the spiritual darkness will come first. I want you to get this. This is very pertinent to the hour we're living in. That before, right here before the, the, the great and dreadful day comes, there's going to come a time of spiritual darkness on the earth. And it'll get blacker than you ever saw. It would get so black for Brother Branham said, he said, I couldn't see beyond 77. And we're now, how many years into the hour of darkness? Now, so as, as I said, I'm not trying to do away with physical darkness. Perhaps there will come, you know, a darkness over the earth. But let me just say, there is a spiritual darkness that is here now. Now remember, Christ is being rejected. And the last place he's been made welcome is the bride. And I'm just saying, let's be careful not to reject him. In the closing of the Jewish dispensation, they became so blinded by Satan. The sun and the moon, the light of God became darkness. So that in that darkness, they rejected and crucified their Messiah. And the gospel turned to the Gentiles. That's how dark it was. Now, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, this is that. And there was, there was a spiritual darkness right then on the earth. And they crucified their Messiah under the cover of darkness and rejected him. They, they're, the, they're in the most holy city. They, the most holy people, crucified the most awful punishment, him the Lord of glory. Now, this very same thing happens at the pouring out of the Spirit in the end time. Now, it happens as Joel 2 repeats until there's such a strong delusion until the light becomes so dark, sun and the moon, that represents the light of both night and day. And the word becomes so obscure until they crucify the word. They can't crucify the man. So they crucify now the word and put it to an open shame. And Christ is on the outside of the church rejected and the gospel turns back to the Jews. Are you with me now? Now, Brother Branham tells us in the indictment, he said, today there is a new Calvary. In this time of darkness, there is a new Calvary. And he said, where where is it found at? In the most holy places, the church. Where is it crucified at? From the pastors. Amen. And he calls them, you hypocrites. 
You know better than I that I'm not angry, but something inside of me is stirring. God has been thoroughly identified among you. Where did he get his spears at his, in his side? Where did he get his pierces on Calvary? Where does he get it today? In the pulpit. Where did they come from? Jerusalem. Where did they come from? The denomination, the ones that claim that love him, that that's who did it. So Christ is being crucified from the pulpit. Listen, we are going to stand for him. In this pulpit, we're not going to crucify the Lord of glory. We're going to say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to declare he's alive, that he's not dead. Hallelujah, but he's living among us. You say, Brother Tim, it's just a denomination. No, he said, I indict the denomination and many of the independents. Amen. There are many today, even in message pulpits, that are crucifying Jesus Christ afresh. His hardest spear points have come from the pulpits. They criticize. Don't go hear such stuff as that. Don't want our kids going to that youth camp. Come on. Amen. And it's called the devil. We're from the pulpits. Men stand in the pulpit. Oh, to fall out under the spirit. That's only demons do that. Well, they did it all the time in John Wesley. And Brother Brandon said it was the Holy Ghost. Amen. They did it when it happened when John fell at his feet. It's dead. It it happened in Daniel's day. It happened all down through the Bible. Come on. Amen. They stood in the presence of God and couldn't stand. And then they called that the devil is blasphemy. And it's crucifying the Lord of glory. Are you with me? Where he's getting the hardest pierces from the pulpit, crowned from the audience by scoffers. He's got a new crown of thorns, scoffers, pierced from the pulpit, crowned by the scoffers. Is he crucified again, stripped by, or striped by man-made creeds, teachers of denominations against the word, they stripe it in shame, condemn it. So you see, if there's a crucifixion of Christ today, it is not physical, it is spiritual. The word is being crucified. The spirit is being rejected. And any place or pulpit that rejects or crucifies the word that scoffs at healing, shouting, rejoicing, dancing to the spirit, prayer lines, according to Revelation 11, they are spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also our Lord was crucified. Amen. And in Hebrews 6, he says, they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Now, let me just show you. In Matthew 27, verse 45, at the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land unto the ninth hour. So at the crucifixion of Christ, there was darkness over the land. Are you with me now? So, If that is so, and he's being crucified again, then what is it? Darkness has now come over the land today. Now, in this darkness, a strong delusion arises. Notice Brother Branham in junction of time. As he, Moses, goes down to Egypt, 
He took his staff or stick and he cast it down. He healed with his hands with leprosy and done those things. And then I want you to notice every time the miraculous done, Satan was there to counterfeit it. And as he was counterfeiting in that day, he's still the same counterfeiter today. And his counterfeits only point to the end time at the junction. He had some old soothsayers down there by the name of Janice and Jambres who stood up and they could throw their rods down, turn them to serpents and so forth and do just like they did. But God vindicated who was God's. They could bring plagues, but they couldn't perform divine healing. So only God alone can heal. They could bring a boil, but they couldn't take it away. God stood in his power there to show that real divine healing was as miraculous to prove the omnipotent was at the junction road. Amen. Now, so again, he goes right on down through this and he talks about it that that here at this very time, he said, the moon shall fail to give her light and the sun won't shine and will turn as black as sackcloth and like blood. And when she hides her face and weeps herself and sweats out droppy, bloody drops of grief, God will be on the earth. Omnipotent doing the miraculous. So when this happens, God will be on the earth. When the light is held back from the church and rejected, God will be doing it on the earth, omnipotent, doing the miraculous. Hallelujah. So just as there was darkness in that day, there's darkness coming upon the land in this day. Creeping right in. A blinded delusion. So deluded till Christ is rejected and Satan sits within the church and is worshiped as God. For 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3 and 4 tells us this. But I want you to look at verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians 2, 10. He says, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. My, what deception. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion because they didn't love truth. That they, God sent them a strong delusion that they would believe a lie. Now, of course, you see, this is where we're at. That people are today under a strong delusion, under the shadow of darkness. Amen. Now go with me to Revelation 9.1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there rose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. It wasn't a little smoke. It was a smoke of a great furnace. And look, the sun and the air, that's atmosphere, were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the pit or out of the smoke locusts or demons. Listen, when this atmosphere was created, demons began to come out of it. Notice the sun and the sun was blackened. The sun is the light of the word. And the word was rejected 
And when it happened, it, it comes now blackening with a strong delusion, black in the light of the word, where you can't see clearly the word of God and what is promised and it's disdained and unwanted. Come on, church. Amen. And out of there, it causes something to happen in the air and the atmosphere becomes charged with demons, spirits of affliction. Oh, my. We could read all about it. Brother Branham said they were supernatural chargers. Demons riding, coming to torment men. This is what is happening right now. It only gets worse when the tribulation starts. Right now, hell has opened its mouth. Right now, the atmospheres are being charged. What do you think is happening in the atmosphere of our schools? They're charged with every kind of blackness of sin, evil, perversion of every kind. Amen. Teaching kids that can be, become a cat or a dog. Put a litter box there for them. Amen. Teaching them, you know, uh, castigating them because of using the gender pronoun that they were born with. Insanity. And it's happening in politics. Where our Supreme Court justice could not even define a woman. She could, I'm not a biologist. Well, a stupid human being would know whether you're a boy or a girl. Hey. Amen. Just a basic. But it's insanity. And it kills a third part. In other words, there's a temporary judgments that are poured out on the earth. A third part of the men are killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone that open out of their mouth. That's verse 18. So you see, it brings death. I'm telling you, the atmosphere is charged to bring death. Spiritual death. You're worried about COVID. COVID is not the killer. Spiritual death is the killer. And it only becomes worse in the tribulation. In the tribulation, Revelation 6, 12, and when he opened the sixth seal, which is tribulation seal, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood. Amen. And the stars fell unto the earth even as the fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken by a mighty wind. Listen. When in the tribulation, the, the, the sun becomes blacker than ever. This is what it says. It said black as a sackcloth of hair. This, this is a description. It has come to where there is no light. Because that's the way the Laodicean age ends. No light. Goes out into total darkness. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she's shaken out of a mighty wind. Now, there may be spiritual darkness or physical darkness, sure. But, but for sure, there is spiritual darkness. Look at the stars of heaven fall to the earth. Think of that for a moment. One star, not stars, one star 
would annihilate the earth. One true star, ball of fire, would totally disintegrate the earth. Watch now. One star would annihilate. So these are not all the stars falling. These are angels falling. In Revelation 9, 1, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. And to him, to him, he was a was, was a being, was not a planet, was not a ball of fire. To him was given permission to open the bottomless pit. Are you with me now? Amen. As the bride goes up, Satan is cast down. Revelation 12, and the great dragon, verse 9, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And the Bible said that he, his tail drew the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Because with him come fallen angels. And these fallen angels were demon powers that we're reading about. Supernatural chargers attacking the mind of man. This is exactly, this is exactly again Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down the ground which weakens the nation? You see, the sun and the moon represents Christ and the true church. And with rejection of Christ and his bride, this causes the whole world to go in complete, total darkness where the fullness of evil prevails. And I want to get this to you because we're preaching about every fiber. Every fiber and fabric of humanity will be filled with perverseness and wickedness. If God don't feel every fiber of yours, the devil will take that place. This is why it is so important to be filled with the fullness of God. Because he can hurt only those who have not the seal of God in their forehead. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there is a protection. Amen. From the spirits of darkness. It might be knocking at your mind and pushing at your mind and trying to make you disbelieve and to doubt, but there is a protection. It's called the seal of God. Hallelujah. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called because he has filled every fiber, every fiber of your mind. Give God that anxiety. Give him that anxiousness. Give him that worry. Give it over to him. Let God fill it. Look, in the tribulation, Revelation 16, 70, and the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, atmospheres. 
And there was a great voice of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it's done. And there were voices and thunders and lightning. And there was a great earthquake such as not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so, and so great. Of course, those vows have fully poured out during the tribulation. But the trumpets and the vows correlate together. And we've already had temporary which causes a third of men showing it's only temporary. It's not getting all, just it's a portion. And the, and the trumpets and the vials correlate together and they've already been poured out temporary judgments. And I want you to know the seventh one pours it out into the air. So you see in the atmosphere is poured out in, in, I, 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 I'm not talking about these contrails up here. I'm not preaching some stupid, crazy uh, conspiracy theories and trying to kill all the old people with uh, these contrails up in the sky. I'm talking about the atmosphere of homes that have been changed. The atmosphere of people's lives that have been changed. The atmosphere of the fabric of our country as she turns from lamb speaking with freedom of religion to a dragon and speaks as the devil because she becomes under that atmosphere. And it's now in the fabrics of our nation, in our Supreme Court, in our presidency, in the Senate. In the House, in the Republicans, in the conservatives. Because the only way you're going to be a conservative or truce conservative is be the bride of Christ. Come on now. We're an endangered species. In the Democrats. Oh, yeah, them Democrats. Let me tell you, the, the Republicans are the same. They're a bunch of sinners, a whole bunch of them. What is it? And their atmosphere of our country and world has, to, has changed men unto evil till it will come and possess a young man and cause him to go into a, into a school and just murder kids indiscriminately without feeling. And that's just not an isolated case. It's happening over and over and over and over. And our world is going crazy. And the spirit of lawlessness has taken over. Because the man of sin is now being manifested in his people. But at the same time, the son of man is being manifested in bride form. Hallelujah. And there is a people that's got a thinking man's filter that gave them a holy man's taste. Hallelujah. For our taste is not of the world. It's not a perversion. It's not of sin. Our taste is a heavenly taste. Give me that book. It's in my mouth, sweetest honey. Look, we can see the releasing of demon spirits that has brought about insanity in the world. In that first year of COVID-19 pandemic, global prevalence of anxiety and depression increased by massive 25%. I didn't say it's just 25%. I said it increased 25%. 
unhealthy diets, lack of physical exercise, loneliness, family breakup, childhood neglect, trauma, the pressure of competition in schools and workplace. And a lot of this, a lot of this can be, can be put upon motherhood who represents the church. Women represents the church. A lot of this can be blamed on radical feminist. People aged 18 to 33 suffers the highest level of stress in our nation. We got a new, we got a new generation. It's called Generation Z. That's what the world's calling it. Generation Z. Think of that. You know, we, 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 are, we are Generation Omega. Amen. Come on. He is Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first letter, the Greek, the last letter. A to Z. Amen. But the devil's got their own Z generation. A generation where rates of mood disorder and suicide-related outcomes has increased significantly. Mental health problems among the generation Z. You know why it's Z? Because it's the last generation. It's the last generation. You know why we're Omega? Because we're the last generation. We are Generation Omega. We're the same bride. That was in the Alpha is now in the Omega. Amen. The first is the last. The beginning is the end. It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I say hallelujah. And the Bible said there arose a smoke out of the pit. A smoke is a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened. The word of God blocked out. Come on now. Amen. The sun, the light of the Bible has been blocked from view. It's no longer considered. It's no longer considered in our halls of learning. It's no longer wanted in our, in our schools. It's no longer, they, they say we will not live by that old book. The word of God is rejected. It's not wanted in the Supreme Court. It's not wanted, come on somebody, in our forms of government. They don't want it. They want to remove, even now, our newest, our newest George Washington coins has his face, his back now turned to in God we trust. Why is it? Because it's a sign that America has turned her back on God completely and totally and is now under depraved mind. And a reprobate, cast away from God and unredeemable. Lost souls. Politicians could care less what the Bible said. And so is it with the majority. The Bible that gives a moral code and a sense of decency has been stripped away. It's like blocked by the smoke from the pit. Not only that, the air, the atmosphere has been darkened. The Bible said your atmosphere when you were born in sin was, was in darkness. He said you had your understanding darkened. 
And that's all that can happen when you're alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them and the blindness of your heart, your understanding just becomes more dark, more dark. Paul would say it like this in this translation. I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there's no going on along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They refuse for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, in other words, having no conscience, they let themselves go in the sexual obsession addicted to every sort of perversion. Notice the blindness that is caused by the smoke from the fires of the bottomless pit. It says it will be in the last day. But I want you to know God did not leave us without a remedy. Amen. Come on, he said to you in this last age. Yes, it's going to be blind, but I'm providing an eyesight. Hallelujah, I'm providing an ointment. Anoint thine eyes with eyesight. Reach into El Shaddai, into that wounded side, and bring what? Anointment. And rub it into those eyes. Keep rubbing the darkness out. Keep staying in the word of God until you see clearly. Oh, the smoke from the fires of hell wants to blind you and make you where you can't see. But I'll tell you, God has provided a remedy. Are you with me? Amen. It blinds them from the sun and the moon, the light, the word in its fullness. And it blinds them to the reality of God. It brings fear and anxiety and doubt instead of faith. And the only cure for it is eyesight that is offered only in this age. And it's the preaching of the word. It's the Holy Ghost. Rub that in your eyesight. The eyesight into your eyes until you can see Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then you'll see his healing power. Then you'll see his deliverance. Come on. Brother Branham told us as how as an old young boy, he would sleep up in a loft in their home. It was a poor home. He could see the stars through the holes in the tent. An old piece of canvas was put over and they slip under old, old blankets and the drafts caused a cold in their eyes and they would get madder in them and upon awakening in the morning, they couldn't get their eyes open to see. It was all so mattered up and his grandpa was a trapper and he kept the family in food and cooking the raccoons. The fat would drip from the meat and his mama would save that and she would warm that coon grease and come up the ladder and rub coon grease in their eyes to soften the hard matter so they could see. And Brother Branham said in the Laodicean church age, I tell you, we've had an awful drought. There's been an awful cold to sweep the country. The Baptist said the days of miracles are past. There's no such thing as the Holy Ghost. No speaking in tongues. There's no baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus. And oh, all kinds of draft and his closed a lot of eyes with spiritual coldness. And it'll take more than coon grease to open their eyes, brother. It'll take a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost to massage your eyes and you can see and take the nearsightedness out so you can see the word of God is true. Hallelujah. 
Amen. No matter what the draft is, God has got a remedy. No matter how bad, come on somebody, how bad the smoke is and how blind you've been and how blind the church is until they crucify the Lord of glory and scoff at the word of God. Hallelujah. There is a remedy. And that is the Holy Ghost massaging in those eyes. Amen. Massaging like the man down there, like Gehazi did or whatever his name was down there with Elisha at Dothan. When he looked out and he saw only the symptoms, he saw all kinds of things. There were men out there and they were surrounded and the enemy was surrounded. You may feel like you're surrounded this morning, but if you get a little eyesight, you'll see there's more than the insanity of the age. You'll see there's more than demon oppression. You'll see there's more than that great army that's against us. You'll see there's more than spiritual chargers that are against us. You will see, hallelujah, that the hills are afire with the glory of God. The pillar of fire is in the church. You'll see, you'll see with your eyes open, the angels of God are encamped about those that fear him and they deliver them. Hallelujah. If we could only open our eyes, we'd see moving up and down this aisles this morning is angels of God, the Holy Spirit present. God wants to feel every fiber. Amen. Listen, but I want you to notice, and I'm trying to bring this down to close. This is what's been prophesied by the prophet Joel. Let's go back. Verse 16 of chapter 2. I'm going to try to close on this scripture. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall come to pass. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall cease visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And of all my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out in those days my spirit. And they shall prophesy. What does Revelation 10, 11 say to us? Or 10, 8, thou shalt prophesy again. Amen. And I will show wonders. Now God is going to show some wonders. The devil is showing some wonders. Bringing his spirits out in this age. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapors of smoke. Woo! God's got a smoke. God's got a smoke. And that smoke, smoke, it gets into every fabric. Amen. Whatever smoke you're exposed to, you it will get in your fabric, in your eyes, in your hair, in every crack and crevice of your home. It'll start filling every fiber. Hallelujah, it's a smoke. Watch here in Revelation 8 and verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal, how many believes were in the seventh seal? There was silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour. What was happening now? The silence was being broken. The seal was being opened. And I saw seven angels which stood before God. To them were given seven trumpets. And another angel come and stood at the altar having a golden censer that there should be given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne and the smoke what the smoke of the incense 
which came with the prayers of the saints ascended before God out of the angel's hand and the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and cast it to the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightning and an earthquake. Hallelujah. Now, what's this? Correlate this together. What's now? God said, I will show wonders. And there's going to be pillars of smoke. And now the bride, listen, has had prayers that have been stored up for his coming that get anointed amen, and mixed with the incense and a smoke rises up before God. Hallelujah. And what happens? God begins his coming. Amen. And he comes as a prophet. Come on. Comes as a word to a prophet and then continues on that same word in the bride. Are you with me? You are part of that coming. And it brings up a pleasing odor unto the Lord. A smoke rising up out of the church. Oh, we're creating an atmosphere. We're changing the atmosphere. Our prayers are changing the atmosphere. There's an atmosphere being created among believers. And in that atmosphere, demons flee. They don't come. They flee. In that atmosphere, blind eyes come open. In that, come on now. In that, in that atmosphere, cripples walk. Cancers are healed. Heart troubles are gone. Hallelujah. Everything happens in that atmosphere created by the prayers of the saints. And they ascend before God. Now then, I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. I'm trying to, trying to wind this up now. And then we which are alive and remain. How can you many can say that's me? We which are alive. We're not dead, we're alive. Hallelujah, we which are alive and we remain to me shall be caught up or rapturing up. Amen, our bodies are raptured. Caught up in an atmosphere and we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. In the atmosphere that is created by our prayers and our praise ascending. And as it does, it causes power and his smoke to descend. Hallelujah. I will show wonders in the heavens above and the earth beneath pillars of smoke. Hallelujah. There will be an atmosphere of praise, an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of power, an atmosphere of joy. Hallelujah. And it's in that atmosphere we're caught up to meet the Lord in that atmosphere. Your atmosphere is bringing him down. Your praise is bringing him down. Your worship is bringing him down. Hallelujah. I say, God, feel every fiber. Feel every bit of us. We're holding ourselves steady until we're filled with the word of God. Come on, musicians. Hallelujah. And it shall come to pass in the last days. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. 
Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men, young men shall see visions. In the air, in that atmosphere where my spirit is poured out, in that atmosphere where sons and daughters prophesy, becoming the voice of God, in that atmosphere where men dream anointed dreams and see visions, in that atmosphere is where I'm going to meet you. Hallelujah. I will not meet you in the atmosphere and stink of Satan's delusion, but I will meet you in the atmosphere of praise and prayer where visions and prophecy and anointed dreams are. That's where the dead will raise. That's where a people are caught up in a sin and take their position. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I threw it to the earth and there were thunderings and lightnings and a great earthquake. Hallelujah. There was an earthquake in his resurrection. There was an earthquake and the temple veil was rent. There's an earthquake and the graves were open. At this resurrection of the bride in this last day out of dark denominationalism, it was caused by an earthquake. Come on. Seventh seal was open. Silence was broken. The book was given. Come on. Every promise was made. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to wind up now. Amen. What happened at the resurrection? We are resurrected ones. I was dead, but I am alive. I was in a dark tomb of denomination, but I am alive forevermore. And I've got the keys to Satan's Eden. I got the keys to death and of hell. Amen. I am an overcomer. I'm a blood-washed son or daughter of God. The veil has been rent. The mercy seat is open. The creeds of man is gone. What hid God from man is now gone. An earthquake, the graves were open. The denominational tombs of religion unsealed. An earthquake for Paul meant freedom. Paul and Silas had shook the shackles away. Voice and thunderings. When God says something, it was not understood. The voice is the interpretation. Amen. The voice is the interpretation of it. Thunderings and voices. God said something. It wasn't understood, but voices made it understood. The Gentile ages. Ends with tongues. Get them started on something. I'll preach all day. Gentile ages ended with tongues. It's a sign of death that God is raining down the curtain and closing the Gentile dispensation. The tongues were of God. The tongues was from God's own hand. Many, many take on your farsa. Tongues follow believers. Some of the signs. The tongues weren't evil. They were of God. They were declaring the end of Satan's kingdom. It is a sign of death to the kingdoms of the world. You see, tongues isn't the evidence of revival of that old system of religion. It's the evidence of death. It's a sign from God. They have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. The tongues of Pentecost proclaimed 
the evidence that the ceremonial religion of the Jews was over and a new era had begun. And today, the tongues, it's ringing down the curtain on the Gentile church ages and the gospel going back to the Jews. You see, they call that a great revival among the, a great spiritual move among the denomination. They missed the boat. The truth is, it's the finish. Speaking in tongues is heralding the finish to all men's ideas and programs and kingdoms. And the kingdom of our God is being ushered in. And I don't mean if we speak in tongues it's a sign of death to us. It's quickening power. Giving life. Giving power at work within you. Paul said when you do it, you refresh yourself or edify yourself. I will pray in the spirit and with understanding also. I will sing in the spirit and with understanding also. We're here in the last days. He wants to feel every fiber. Every fiber. Have you got one little shred that isn't saturated with God? Is there a little part? Maybe it's the spirit of, forg- of unforgiveness, of bitterness. Maybe it's toward your mate or friend. Maybe it's toward your pastor. Let him saturate that. Let him saturate every part of your being until your life is changed in his presence. That's what God wants to do. Feel every fiber. Why don't you just hold yourself still for a moment? Get so busy with the world and things of the world. Hold yourself still just for a moment. Let him saturate every part of you. Let him do it. Let him do it. Is there a part that ain't filled? Is there a part you hadn't let him work in? Is there a part? What about your praise? Is it causing glory to go up to God? Is it bringing a worship into his presence? Well, what about what, about what you, your attitude toward Christ, even in the house of God? Can you be so quickened until it quickens your mortal body? Can you let it quicken you to where it causes you to rejoice? Amen. Listen, and one day when you were born in sin, you yielded your members to Satan, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mind, your members, your body was yielded to the devil. But when you become born again, that same body that used to be yielded to the devil now begins to be yielded to God. Instead of clapping your hands to rock and roll and dancing and swaying to that, oh, it's to a heavenly music, a heavenly realm, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Your members, your hands are raised now to God. Your voice begins to worship You begin to praise Him. You begin to love Him. You begin to yield yourself to Him. Do you believe Him today? I mean, believes He's the same in every detail. 
Why don't the glory of the Lord just fill this temple this right now? One, our praise just reach up to God. Why don't you right now lift your voice to God? Just lift your voice to God right now. Just lift your voice to God right now. Hallelujah. Amen. Let him take charge of your mouth right now. And you just begin to worship the Lord. And when in this atmosphere, demons has to go. Sickness is cast out. Devils will have to leave. Worry and anxiety will have to go. And in that atmosphere, he comes down. And in that atmosphere, he's going to catch the people out of here. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. In that place, expanded them for redemption. Expand redemption right now. Expand it to where your praise reaches heaven. To where you glorify God and you say, thank you, Lord. Amen. You consider not your sickness. You consider not the trouble of the age. You consider not the problems you're having. You consider not any of that. And you turn your eyes on Jesus. And you consider on his promise. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're the healer and deliverer. Amen. Thank you that your promises are the same. That you're God, true in every detail. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Right here in this atmosphere. In this kind of atmosphere, souls are saved. In this atmosphere, the sick are healed. In this atmosphere, there's power. In this atmosphere, there are angels. Hallelujah. In this atmosphere, Jesus is present. Angels are walking up and down the aisles. Sister Hannah Schreiner, come up here just a minute. Come here, Sister Hannah. Come on, Brother Jeremy. Come here. Come here, Matthew McGarry. Come on. Come on, brothers, right now. Amen. Our sister Hannah has been struck down. Oh, but I got a word from the Lord for you today. Let not your heart be troubled. Hallelujah. You believe in God, believe also in me, he said, in my Father's house. Many mansions. These are his promise today. He is able to take and touch your body. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I curse this heart trouble. This spirit of evil in this atmosphere of believing Christians where all things are possible to them that believe. I speak healing to her body. Amen. I say that her body must obey the word of God. In the name of Jesus, a quickening power will come upon her body right now and quicken her from death to life. In Jesus' name. Now, you spirit of weakness, you spirit of heart trouble, you spirit of evil, you go in the name of Jesus Christ. I curse you in Jesus' name in the presence of this believing church in the atmosphere of believers right now in Jesus' name. These signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, they will cast this devil out. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, almighty God. We bless your name. Just keep worshiping God right there. Right now in the 
mother with cancer. Lord, she represents many with cancer. We'll dance over your head, Satan. We'll dance again. Hallelujah. This atmosphere, all things are possible. As we send this handkerchief, we curse the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus. Say in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What about you, church? Can't you rejoice now in God's promise? Come on. Right now, just rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Hey.